0: This is HPR episode 2109 entitled Hacking My Inner ear. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 15 minutes long. The summary is how I discovered some new things about how my inner ear works and how to stop falling over.
1: This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15.
0: Hi everyone, this is Dave Morris. I'm going to do a slightly unusual show today, or episode, whatever you want to call it, because we're very short of episodes in the queue. I'd had this one in my list of possibles for uh, over a year now, and I'd more or less dismissed it as uh, as not being appropriate. But given that we're quite desperate, you're going to get it. So... What I'm talking about today is I've entitled anyway, Hacking My Inner Ear. So I'm seeing it as a bit of a hacking exercise. You you decide whether you agree or not. So what motivated me to do this was in April two thousand fifteen I suddenly found myself getting really dizzy as I bent down when I was having a shower actually and I pretty much fell over as a consequence. Just about managed to save myself and didn't, you know, hit my head on the wall or something. Scared me. Went to see a doctor, but since it was a weekend, I got a sort of emergency guy and he wasn't really able to diagnose it. Within a day or so, a medical student I know, uh, I don't think I'm allowed to tell you who it was, but that medical student is now a fully qualified doctor and is doing her um, foundation training in various hospitals and so on. She suggested that it might be something called BPPV, which stands for benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. And with that in mind, I researched it and found out a lot more about it and uh, got myself a cure. Now, well, first of all, apologies because I'm going to be talking about a certain number of medically technical things try to keep that to a minimum. Secondly, uh, disclaimer, I'm not medically trained, just an interested observer, happens to have a science education, got a degree in biology. So the stuff I'm going to talk about, if you experience any of it yourself, then seek medical advice. You need to find out whether it actually is BPPV or something else, and you need to get qualified assistance to deal with it. So let's talk a bit about the human inner ear, or actually the mammalian inner ear, because they're pretty similar across uh, all mammals, I believe. As a young student, I was not sure whether I wanted to go into biology or medicine. I quite fancied the idea of medicine, but uh, I wasn't quite sure that I had the, the, I don't know really, I was brave enough to do it I suppose. I'm sad I didn't make that choice but there you go. But at that point I got very interested in the structure of the human inner ear and studied it quite a lot as I was um, preparing for my A-level zoology examination. It was on the curriculum but I went into much more detail than was necessary. I got a question on it in the A-level exam and was able to write a lot. In fact, I had to control myself, otherwise i have been writing, you know, on that for the entire time. Uh, I got a, a good mark. As a consequence, I'm pretty certain. So the human inner ear performs two major functions. It's got a thing called the cochlea, which is the bit that handles hearing. Um, it's just a bit of a simplification, but uh, if you'll forgive me, I'm sure. And the other bit is called the vestibular system, and it's concerned with balance. So I'll skip over the hearing bit in this episode. Uh, it's really fascinating. I'm amazed how it works. I'd love to talk about it, but it's probably not on on HPR. As a tinnitus sufferer, I get whistling in my ears. It's fascinating how it malfunctions as you get older as well. I'm going to concentrate on the vestibular system and in order to give you some sort of insight into the BPPV condition. So I've put a diagram in my long notes. There's long notes for this. Uh, because otherwise it would be too long for the RSS feed. Many of the texts that you look at, and the ones I looked at when I was studying this back in the the 70s, uh, show pictures of a structure with the curly cochlea and the the semicircular canals and stuff. You'd get the impression from that that there is a sort of thing you can take out of of a skull, which is this structure. It's not true. What it's actually showing is a series of cavities within the, the sort of solid bone, the temporal bone of the, of the skull. So it's tubes, it's, it's not a, a structure that you can remove per se. That's my understanding. I've never dissected a human head. They've dissected a number of other other heads, and, and I, I don't believe... We didn't look at that particularly, but... Uh, anyway, the various cavities and passages that make up this structure are fluid-filled with a fluid called perilymph which is worth mentioning because it's part of the cerebrospinal fluid that is in your spine and around the uh, in your skull and bathe the brain. And inside the, uh, each of the tubes, there's a membranous tube or membranous structures. Many of them are tubes, which is filled with another fluid called endolymph. The balance system is a, a fairly chunky-looking chamber called the vestibule, and connected to it, as you can see in the picture hopefully, uh, there are three semicircular canals. The canals are oriented at right angles to each other and are responsible for sensing rotational movement of the head. And I put down here pitch, roll and yaw, because, uh, you know, if you if you understand those terms in, in the sense of flying a plane or a model plane or something, it's, it's the sort of X, Y and Z axes rotation. Now, there are five sensory areas in this structure, in the vestibular structure, and each of the semicircular canals has an enlarged region, which you can see in the picture, uh, which is called the ampulla. And in there is a collection of sensory cells that um, detect the movement of the, the internal fluid, the endolymph, and the, the movement's caused by head rotation. There are two other sensory structures in the vestibule called, and sorry about these names the saccule and the utricle and they uh, detect head position, not so much the movement but the position in relation to gravity. So this is relevant in the context of this, uh, this disorder. Now the sensors in the vestibule, this um, saccule and utricle, are different from the others in that they have calcium carbonate crystals attached to them on the top and these are variously called otoliths which means ear stone. Otoconia, I don't know, I'm not, I can't parse that one. Statoconia is the other name. I didn't look up the Latin of those. I know lith means stone and oto relates to ear. Anyway, they're act- acted on by gravity. The weight of these these little crystals are acted on by gravity and they um, trigger these sense cells to uh, tell your brain what orientation your head is in. Now here's here's a, the important part. How I mean, It's actually very complicated if you want to look at the way it's all structured together, but I'm trying to simplify it to some degree. But one of the things I think is quite important is that the utricle is in the part of the inner ear which is connected to the semicircular canals. And the saccule, on the other hand, is is in a different part of the structure. Is not connected. So let's talk about BPPV. What happens in this condition is that otoliths become dislodged from the utricle remember it's connected to the semicircular canals and it migrates it or they migrate into the semicircular canals and there they disrupt the normal process of sensing head rotation and that's where the vertigo the dizziness comes from now the detachment of otoliths can be caused by head injury but it also happens spontaneously as you get older i'm older therefore it happens spontaneously now, the BPBV business, and I'll try and not use the full thing, but I thought you might find it useful I explained what it actually means. Benign, the first word, is, means that it's not a threat to health. It's, it's something that's a nuisance more than anything else. Paroxysmal is a word. Medicine's full of these sorts of things. It, a paroxysm is a, is a brief um, event in, in these terms. So paroxysmal, because it, sh- it occurs in short bursts, And it's positional because it happens when you change your head position in particular ways. And the vertigo bit is because it results in this dizziness or a spinning sensation. So in my experience, there are two common conditions that will trigger a bout of BPPV. And it's things like suddenly bending down or lifting your head up uh, to look up or turning over in bed. Turning over in bed is the worst one, in my experience anyway. So, talk about the semicircular canals. They detect head rotation by the movement of the endolymph fluid across sensory cells in the ampullae. When the head is moved, the fluid lags behind because of inertia. So, you know, you uh, you suddenly move quickly with a cup of tea, and it spills out of the cup because it. Uh, it doesn't want to move as rapidly as you do. So this fluid movement causes bending of the hairs of the of these sensory cells. They're all the the sensory cells are all um, structures that have a sort of hair-like structure within them, which uh, when they are flexed uh, causes a uh, a signal that goes goes along the nerve. The fluid once once it's lagged a bit, the fluid catches up with the movement, and then things stabilise. But that process of moving from from uh, still to moving is is the process of acceleration and these things detect and they detect which direction it is by virtue of which one triggers the dizziness is actually caused by the fluid movement um, or the sensor cells themselves being affected by the loose otoliths remember we've now got crystals moving around in the fluid whereas it's designed in quotes to to just have fluid moving around so this can change the way in which the fluid moves because there's more mass in there, or they can actually stick to the sensor cells themselves and um, cause that whole mechanism to, uh, to 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 be to work differently. So these changes in the normal behaviour of uh, of this this sensing system causes sensations of movement when there is none. The other thing is that n- when you norm- normally when you rotate your head your eyes automatically compensate. They do a thing called nystagmus, which is they try to keep distant images in sight. So as you move your head, you don't lose sight of things that might be important, that leopard about to leap on you or something like that. So... During the BPPV, where your head's not actually moving, but it, but you think it is, then the rotational movement signals are received and the eyes move as if they would, if the rotation was real. And uh, this so-called nystagmus is um, a diagnostic feature of BPPV. So let's talk about treatment then. So I read up about this stuff at the time when I experienced it, found there were a number of procedures that are used to diagnose and treat BPPV. The simplest form of treatment consists of head movements designed to move the displaced otoliths from the semicircular canal back into the vestibule, where it, won't do, some, where it don't, won't do any harm. I don't know what happens to them once they've got back into the vestibule. I've seen some indications that they might be reabsorbed in some way, but uh, this sort of information is not easily available. And I'm not digging down deep into the, the medical stuff, I'm afraid. Anyway, I found a method which is called the Epley Maneuver. But before this manoeuvre can be used, at least effectively, you need to know where the otoliths are. So it's probably only likely to be one ear for example. And get, getting some idea of which of the semicircular canals is affected is also quite uh, useful. Well, I, I worked this out by guesswork largely. This is why I wouldn't recommend you doing this yourself if you if you uh, experienced this uh, this thing. The in fact the direction of the nystagmus indicates which ear is affected. But doing your own nystagmus Diagnosis is not easy. I sort of guessed, I thought that it was in, I forget which in, I, I write here, I think. And so I, I worked on that principle. The severity of the BPPB I had was fairly mild. I just had the dizziness and I managed to, after having been caught unawares by it in the first instance, I was able to, to deal with it pretty well. Some people do actually, they just sort of live with it and, and it will sometimes correct itself. you've got this thing moving around inside the the canals of your ear sometimes they'll fall out of their own accord anyway i found i found the epley maneuver and gave it a try and found that it actually worked for me i just tried it once and it worked and i haven't had the problem since now i pointed at some details of all of this stuff if you go and look on wikipedia you can find a complex comprehensive description of bppv and if you want to dig deeper into the structure of the inner ear, I've put some uh, article pointers there, particularly to the vestibule and the semicircular canals. It looks like just about every other word in these things is is um, is linked to something else. Where you can drill right down into the the minute detail if you really want to. I have done so, but I'm not I'm not I'm not going to share that with you because I'm sure you won't want to know. I also put some stuff in about the Epley maneuver, which there's uh, an um, Wikipedia article about it about dr Epley himself and his uh, his discovery of this or creation invention of this maneuver I find the the youtube animation that i 've pointed to i think actually explains things really well, not quite as much detail as i 've done here, but hopefully you know it, 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 if you 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 have this issue or you know somebody who has you might find that a useful thing to to check out but um that was the process I actually used. There are, there are others, as I say. It's the one I used, and that was the thing that seemed to give me relief. So, in ending, I'll just say that I guess that I managed to hack my own inner ear, but it was more by luck than anything else. Okay, that's it. Bye now.